This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Why oh, and now, your hosts, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Kyle Yeomans. There are 113 days until the NFL draft, April 29th of 2021. It's officially 2021, and the draft show rolls on into the Dallas Cowboys offseason, and it's the first offseason edition of the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Glad you're with us, everybody, on DallasCowboys.com and coast-to-coast across the world uh, as Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, and myself, Kyle Yeomans, will break down this draft. No David Hellman today. And, Brian, I think that's why this is going to be our best show yet, right? Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and hand us the sports Emmy, the Marconi, (laughs) whatever you want to do. Dave, feel free to sit at the table while Bucky, Kyle, you know, Beam, we all go up there and get our awards. We'll put you in the thank you speech. We'll put you in the thank you speech for sure. Thank goodness. And, and thank goodness, David Hellman, you, you, you were great all the way through. But, hey, you were at the table today. And Now, uh, we, we love David. He just had more important things to do today, like interview some guy that was nicknamed the Playmaker or whatever it was back in the day, something like that. Had somebody to talk to that was more important than we are. But, guys, I, I, you look at the Cowboys season now coming to a close and the Cowboys have settled in to that number 10 pick and it's not number four like we we thought it might have been earlier in the year but uh it actually ends up being number 10 you're still a top 10 pick for the first time since 2016 but uh Bucky how good of a spot is that for the Cowboys whenever it comes to the number 10 pick because they've had some uh they've had some success in the top 10 in the past yeah, you should have success when you're picking in the top 10 because that's really the cream of the crop of each draft class. When you think about the top 10, you think about getting difference makers, game changers. And when the Cowboys have had the opportunity to select up there, they've been able to nail it. And so this year, I think it's actually uh, fortunate for them because I think the, the needs and what is available lines up with where they're picking in terms of the Cowboys, what their biggest needs are and where the talent is. I think it matches up. So now it's just a, a matter of determining which players to right fit for the team and where they want to go. Brian? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with Bucky because, you know, we were kind of looking at if you had to say a top four or five pick, you know, if you're looking for, say, defensive help, do you feel comfortable picking it right at that spot? I think initially we said no. Would you consider trading down, grabbing a pick or two from somebody else? Could you go down to 10, 11, 12, somebody right there? I think the Cowboys are in a great spot right there. You know, offensive players, defensive players, you'll you'll have an opportunity to grab whatever direction you want to go. And, you know, if you still want to potentially trade down again, I think you're in an absolute wonderful spot there. Uh, of course, scouts want to be as high as you can on the board, but being in the 10-hole is not a bad thing, especially in this draft. 
And I think we've talked about it before, but really the only thing that you're missing out from being maybe in the top five as to being a 10 is the options of, of where to go in the draft and where you should fall and what you would get in return and kind of the draft capital that you can play around with there. But in terms of selecting, this is right where you want to be. And, and if you look at the Cowboys' last six top 10 selections, five have made the Pro Bowl. Ezekiel Elliott, 2016. Morris Claiborne is the only one that did not make the Pro Bowl. Tyron Smith in 2011. Terrence Newman. Roy Williams and Greg Ellis. That's the last six times the Cowboys have picked in the top ten. They've also never selected specifically with the tenth overall pick, but the closest times they did was when they picked ninth with Tyron Smith and they picked eleventh with Demarcus Ware. So you've had some uh, you've had some success around that area in the draft, and hopefully they can continue that a little bit. But Bucky, you brought up a point uh, in our group message this week that I kind of wanted to hit a little bit, but. Uh, Mike McCarthy was asked earlier this week about the identity of this organization and the identity of the Cowboys, player, personnel, and, and kind of where they're going from here. And he kind of gave a non-answer, didn't necessarily answer the question, and, and kind of kept it uh, close to the chest. But how important is that identity, Bucky, whenever it comes to, to drafting these players and evaluating who you want on your roster and who you're going to put in certain situations? Because at least right now, this is the full first full offseason that Mike McCarthy's going to have in terms of trying to, to get into that moment? I think it's very important. I think it's, it's something that should be communicated, communicated at all times, not only from coach to coach and coach to personnel staff, but players should understand exactly what this team is about and who the players are on this team and what core traits are necessary. And we're not talking about position-specific things, just, hey, I want a smart, fast, tough physical football team and the players that play on this team have to exhibit those traits. For Mike McCarthy to not be able to articulate it, to me it was troubling, particularly coming off Jalen Smith's long rambling answer about the identity of the team and all of that stuff. I just wonder if there is alignment from top to bottom and that's something that maybe Brian can speak on having worked in the building. I just don't know how you can go forward in terms of acquiring players if you don't have a clear identity for your team and for the individual players that you want to bring up. Yeah, that's you know, you're absolutely right, Bucky. And and you know, let's look at the teams that are successful throughout. Uh, you know, I always like to talk about the Ravens, the Steelers, you know, Kansas City now. Look what Buffalo's doing. There's clear identity of what their football team is. Tennessee's another one. I, I just feel like though, you know, Mike McCarthy comes from a program in Green Bay where the head coach didn't have a lot of say in what was going on. If we all remember too well, Mike McCarthy said, Hey, Hey, you know, give us the players. We'll fit the we'll fit the scheme to the players we have. Well, we'll see if that actually is the case. But yeah, I, I think that you know the teams that have continuity. I think they drafted well under Jason Garrett because they had an idea of what kind of player they wanted. And if you look at last year's draft for the Cowboys, coaches coming in late, having to set up uh, playbooks and stuff like that, maybe the coaches weren't involved as much with the Cowboys. And maybe Mike McCarthy, you know, we'll we'll see how much you know. My experience of working in the organization is the head coach carries a big stick in that room. Whether you want to be like Bill Parcells and beat people over the head with it, or you want to be like Wade Phillips and Dave Campo and just kind of sit back and let the scouts do their job. So, yeah, I think that you know, they, if Mike McCarthy wants to be involved, he absolutely can. 
but they need to understand what kind of players that that, that these coaches want and and go forward from there because the outstanding organizations that I mentioned the Ravens you know the Chiefs the Steelers they have a clear identity and a clear plan if you had to look at the Cowboys specifically, and Bucky, we'll start with you on this one, but if you had to look at the Cowboys, what would their identity be? Because I don't know, Mike McCarthy may not have given that non-answer just based off of keeping it close to the test. He may, he may not know. He may not know what that identity is, at least looking at his personnel, but what would you tab it as as a team overall? You know, I don't know because it is a bit of a team in flux. Like, you know, we can criticize the previous coaching staff and Jason Garrett or whatever, but I knew when I turned on the TV, I knew exactly what I was watching and what I was going to get from the Dallas Cowboys. I knew offensively they were going to be a mash team that was really driven by the running back, play-action passes, and they had a level of sophistication in that regard in terms of the big plays. And then on defense, it was going to be a hard-playing unit that would run from sideline to sideline and chase the ball and hunt. And so – when I look at this team and because like they kind of snickered at the notion Mike Nolan talked about versatility and wanted to be able to do more things and multiple and all that other stuff, I kind of believe you have assembled a team that's kind of a, a jack of all trades, master of none. And so I don't know. And I think it's really important that you heard the players complain about the uncertainty and not knowing. I think it's really, really important that the team, Mike McCarthy, gives a clear definition of the identity so that everyone in the organization knows and that everyone can act accordingly when it comes to acquiring personnel and putting in things that match the talent that is now in the building. Yeah, and you know, to be honest with you guys, <laughs> you know, they're in a situation right now where there might be some changes on this defensive staff. And yeah. if you change the defensive coordinator, now do you change the identity again? You know, you talk about uh, multiple the defense. We want to be a 4-3. We want to be a 3-4. We want to hybrid stuff. We want to cover this way. You know, Bucky, you brought it up about the corner situation. Hey, do you want guys that play off? Do you want to play guys that play man? I mean, they've got to figure those things out quickly. If if they're going to stick with the the current defensive staff, okay, well now, you know, tailor your needs that way. But if you're going to go out and you're going to draw this out and, and wait and, oh, we need to talk to this guy and all that, and that let's be honest, that's a little bit of the cowboy way. Hey, let's just kind of wait. Let's see if the problem fixes itself. Let's, you know, that, that doesn't need, you need to be proactive right now. If you're going to lose, if you're going to lose the opportunity to, 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 to have a, you know, an identity here and, 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 and not hire the right guy, then, man, that, that's just, that puts you further, further back in, in, uh, in the behind the eight ball. Well, and how different is it going to be from last year to this year specifically? Because when Mike McCarthy was hired, it seemed as if Will McClay was the one that kind of took the reins and said, I'm going to get you some guys. I'm going to go. We're going to draft best player available. We're going to scout these guys, and then you'll listen to us. Is that going to shift at all, do you think, Brian? Because, I mean, now a year into things, Mike McCarthy has a better idea of maybe how he wants to build that identity from a roster standpoint. And is Will McClay going to have that same kind of say as he did maybe? Maybe last offseason. Yeah, I, I hope they do. I, you know, again, I always, and this is the selfish side of me coming out that I do believe the scouts have a responsibility to the team in a way of helping build this roster and, and in a big way. You know, I'm not going to call a third down defense. I'm not going to call a goal line package. I'm not going to do those things. You know, I'm not going to step into the coach's area there, but 
let me focus on my area. And and anytime you know, I worked in an organization in Green Bay where Mike Mike Holmgren said he was back in the scouts. And you know, the scouts are wrong sometimes, but I always feel like though they're responsible for evaluating these players the whole entire year. And if they have an idea where the coaches need to to get to go. Well, then they can help more so than a coach coming in. I mean, we look what Rod Marinelli did to this team for four or five years, in the way that they, the way that they went away from players or went towards certain players. You know, you, you can't have that. Yes, I want coach responsibility, but I don't want it just overriding every single thing that I do going forward as far as building this football team. You know, Brian, I, I want to ask you this because you talk about um, coaches and, and scouts. I want to just from a an overall franchise philosophy, whether it's Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones, has it been set down? This is the kind of team that I want, you know. And then that way it's easy because whoever the head of the football chain is, they set the vision for the program. And so if everyone understands what that is, it makes it easier for the coaches and the scouts to understand. This franchise is about this. So when you name those franchises, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, those longtime franchises where you know, if I tell you, hey, the Pittsburgh Steelers are coming to town, you already know, hey, guys, put your big boy pads on. This is how they play, and it doesn't matter who the coach is. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Bucky. I, I think that, and that's the problem that you have with the Cowboys, I believe, is that, you know, Jerry Jones, as the general manager, I'd like to believe that he, he has his thoughts on what kind of team he wants. But I think he allows a lot of it to be, hey, a head coach guy, what what do you really want? What do you envision? How can we help you kind of thing? I'm not saying that as a general manager you have to beat your head coach over the head with a stick, like I said earlier, but I feel like you have to have ability to say, okay, this is what my guy wants. This is what my guy needs. When I evaluate, when I look at my football team, we really lack this. And I think as a general manager, director, player, personnel, you've got to you've got to do everything in your power to to try and bring players in that are to your vision and in, try and best match what's going on with the head coach. But there, in this organization, man, there's a lot of well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Instead of hey, guys, we need to look at it this way and, and push forward to try and make that happen. That's why these two are the, the elder statesmen of the draft show. But guess what? We've got, uh, we've got some more members of the draft show. And that's the cool thing about 2020 is the fact that we can just call up whoever and get them to be a part of the show. So, hey, how about that? Jeff Cavanaugh's here. Well, I will Jeff, have you know I was doing? not invited, Kyle. I just heard that Dave was gone. And I thought, and I thought, <laughs> I thought you know what? You guys are going to need somebody who's incredibly reckless and irresponsible to go with uh, Bucky and Brian. And so I, I, I volunteered and I texted everyone. And I was like, hey, let me in. Let me in. And so here I am. What's up, guys? <laughs> it was going on. I, I kept getting text messages, and it was from Jeff, and it was from Chris, and it was like in the middle of the show. It was like, hey, can we get, do we need a fourth? Do we need a fourth? I felt like we were playing pickup basketball or like maybe Call of Duty Warzone. I don't even know. It was just like, like, hey, do we need a fourth? Can we run with four? Let's do it. Uh, I'm glad to have you here, Jeff. And Jeff, we're kind of talking about the, the allocation of where the power goes in terms of building an identity. Is it the coaching staff, the scouting department, the front office from this Cowboys standpoint? Point. I know you got kind of heard the last couple answers there. Do you have an opinion on where that power is and how it's going to kind of 
affect the draft going into April? Well, I guess I'm a wild card here because I think your identity is basically just your best players. Like, to the to the Pittsburgh Steelers, for a long time, I remember my favorite games to watch in the NFL were Steeler-Raven games because I knew I was just going to get people hitting each other in the mouth over and over again, and it seemed like that lasted for a decade. But, like, Pittsburgh drifted to an offensive team because that's who their best players were, and now they kind of got the defense going again. So I, I guess for me the identity of this team is Dak Prescott or the identity of this team was that offensive line being able to open holes and protect your quarterback. So, I, I, I don't know, I kind of struggle with things like identity because I just think if you gather me the best players, my identity is going to be that I beat everybody, and it's going to be awesome. Like it, it, you know, not necessarily our identity is Emmett Smith is going to carry this ball 25 times. Our identity is we're <coughs> better than you, and you can't stop us. Yeah, I, I think from a philosophical standpoint is, Jeff, it would be, if I told you, hey, play like a cowboy, what does that mean? Like Swipe. a level of being able to identify, like what does that mean? Do I mean I want like a physical thing? When we talk about the Ravens, play like a Raven is hard-nosed, tough, physical, high instincts. They play to a certain standard. I just wondered with the Cowboys, who has said, hey, this is what we're about. This is who the players must have these traits they must have when they come into the building. I'd like to think guys would want to play like Tank Lawrence when they become a Cowboy. Because I think if somebody like that could be your identity, it would be great. But I'll be honest, when you're thinking about the Cowboys, I consider their identity to be linked to Jerry Jones. And I think his identity is everybody, you know, you can build an individual brand here. You can be incredibly popular. So if you made me pick, like, who embodies the Cowboys' identity, I would say it's Jalen Smith. I would say it's individual play, individual brand, and that's the identity. And unfortunately, that's one of the hurdles you got to jump with the Cowboys. Probably shouldn't say that right now. All right. It was nice being with you guys today. I'll see you next time. <laughs> then he hops off and rides into the sunset. Mr. Captain Trade Down, everybody. No, I don't disagree with what you're saying by any means. I really don't. And I think... That identity maybe shifted a little bit last year when it came to thinking about the draft because Will McClay had a bigger say in it. And like Bucky and Brian were kind of alluding to a little bit earlier, it's 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 a little easier whenever you have those scouts on top of things and, and the coaching staff in the front office can kind of rely on them as opposed to maybe uh, taking the reins themselves. Now, in terms of the draft this year and kind of where the Cowboys are and, and of course, picking 10th, Brian, you, you said before the show when we were just kind of chatting that you would uh, you wish they would have been a little bit higher just for those options. That's kind of where it is. But is there any player or position that the Cowboys missed out on or may not have as good of a chance at at 10 than they would have if they might have lost three of their last four instead of winning three of their last four? Well, we, we, we all hope, and we all hope is speaking for Cowboy fans, that in fact that you now are in the window where you can sign Dak Prescott. And to me... Um, 10 is a little bit of a, I think, outside if the quarterback is something that you needed. Um, I kind of feel like, but you're still in a position where you could trade up if you want to. But you've got so many teams that are quarterback needy. And, you know, with the Cowboys, if you don't sign your guy long term, that's maybe something you missed out on right there. But I, I think overall, I'm far more comfortable now. 
I, I think there's going to be a great player on that board. Smith from Alabama, the wide receiver, I think could be a great player. Pitts from Florida could be a great player. I'm far more comfortable taking Farley right there at 10. You know, uh, if you wanted Parsons, if that was a guy, there's going to be some players, I believe, for the Cowboys right there at 10. I think the only thing you missed out on being in the top at four is if you had to legitimately go get the quarterback because you didn't feel like that you could get your guy signed long-term. You know, Brian, you, you talk about that. I think the, the bigger thing that would have happened if you finish in the top five, you now have currency. And you now right. change the leverage when it comes to the negotiation with Dak Prescott. Now you can kind of put out those smoke signals like, hey, it doesn't matter. We'll just take a quarterback. And right. as long as like Justin Fields continues to play like that, it now drives the conversation because now you're talking about maybe four quarterbacks going in the top five. And so the leverage changes in it. So it gives you an out if the negotiation doesn't go your way. You say, okay, cool, we'll just find a, we'll just sign a young quarterback, yeah. and away we go. Or we trade down, and we get enough capital to now go and fill a couple of different spots. So you lose out on that opportunity, but I think it better aligns with some of the more immediate needs that the Cowboys have. Well, yeah, and real quick, Jeff, before I know you got an opinion on this, I, I think that it, you know Cincinnati is now in a position where I believe they're at five where they, they're going to hold the card to somebody trying to get up. Because Philadelphia, and, and Jeff and I do a show every week together, and we've talked about if you're the Eagles, you're looking at a quarterback at six. You're absolutely looking at a quarterback at six. And, you know, Cincinnati could have been that team. If you want maybe the last quarterback or you want the next best quarterback, mm-hmm. that's five is the spot. So if you were in that top five, to your point, Bucky, you were going to have that ability to, to trade back if you wanted to or stand in there and make well, a pick. I, and I guess what I'll do is I'll just kick a question back to you guys, like um, Bucky, because my thought initially is if you want to know names that you could have had at four or five and you can't at ten, we don't know. Because I remember when I used to do simulators and we're doing mock drafts last year, anytime C.D. Lamb made it to 17, I would just on – my YouTube or whatever, I would be like, no, we're going to restart this. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And, well, lo and behold, it did. But I think, in theory, mm. names that the Cowboys could have considered in the top five that may not make it to ten, Caleb Farley, Micah Parsons, so Penn State linebacker, Caleb Farley, maybe Patrick Sertan. I think there could be names that you would have considered that because you're now at ten, don't make it there. There could be a corner or two off the board. Micah Parsons could be off the board. You could have two offensive tackles off the board. So I, I do think there are names, not not guys that I would be like, oh, I can't believe we didn't get to be in the top five. But yeah, I think some of those names absolutely could be gone when you get on the clock. Yeah, I think I think I think the bigger thing now, uh, the quarterback conversation. We think right. about the teams at the top. So. At the top, you have Jacksonville's obviously going to take a quarterback. The New York Jets are going to be in the mix. We don't know because the Miami Dolphins are the ultimate wild card when it comes to two and what they decide. Then you have the Atlanta Falcons at four. So three of the top five we know. You talk about the Eagles being at six. And then behind them, you have enough teams that have the interest. And so if you are in the top five and you're the Cowboys, you just talk about being able to really parlay that and play other teams against one another to really maybe get a big haul. But in terms of the players, the players that will fall out of there, because we would think that three, maybe four quarterbacks can go, a good player is going to fall to them. It's a matter of, does, 
are you comfortable pulling the trigger on a guy to top 10? Does he does his grade equate to where you're going to have to select him at? Well, I think the Broncos in front of you are probably interested in a quarterback. So if Trevor Lawrence goes one, then you've got Zach Wilson, Justin Fields kind of in that mix for the second and third quarterbacks taken. Then maybe Trey Lance, maybe the fourth guy off the board. So there's a chance for four quarterbacks to be off the board. So that way you get, what would that be, the fifth or sixth best non-quarterback mm-hmm. falling to you. And hopefully one of those guys fits your need at corner or at linebacker, like we said, with Micah Parsons potentially. I think Micah Parsons might fit uh, a little bit up there in the draft. He would be one of the names, Jeff, that I would agree with you on that wouldn't be there at 10, though he might have been there a little bit early on, maybe well, right after that five mark. Well, I, I, let's, let's, take, let's take a little vote here. Who's the best defensive player you guys have seen so far? Who's the Golly. best defensive player? Um, for mm. me, that, that's what I'm saying. You see that because whoever whoever that is, that's likely to be the first player taken. I I, I, I think we're all I think we're all pretty good at this. I think we're all pretty good at evaluating. And I would trust anybody's opinion on this panel right now. If you said, "Hey, Brian, I think that Parsons is the best defensive player." Oh, by the way, Brian, I think Farley's the best defensive yeah. player. I mean, I, I would trust you guys to say that. Because, but that's that's where you know that's whoever whoever the first defensive player is. That's probably not the guy that's going to be on your board. That's not going to be whoever the second guy you say is. Oh, that guy very well could be the guy that you have you have the chance. This is to take. draft seven for me, and I have it's the most unique draft I can remember at the top. Because if you're going to tell me Micah Parsons is the best defender in the class, I'll say okay. If you tell me Caleb yeah. Farley is the best defender, I'd be like, okay. If you wanted to say Sertan, if you want to tell me Aziz Ojolari, the mm-hmm. Georgia Edge, is the best defender in this mm-hmm. class, I'll listen to you. I don't know because there's no Ramsey, there's no Miles Garrett, there's no Bosa. They, they don't exist. Well, Jeff, I was trying to, I was okay, trying to build Sean. you, I was trying to build you up there, Jeff, and now you're making me feel bad about selecting. Who is it? You know, I'm, I mean, you I'm, give me, <laughs> give me one name. I know. I, I can't. I'm not saying I personally. Uh, if it was me, there's. There's if it not was, no, a, if a it head was me, and shoulders difference. If it was me, I would say Farley. That I would, I have, yeah. and I, and it's crazy to say this for a guy. Both guys did not play this this, this last year, and now, and I'm thinking, which one do I want to roll? If I'm the Cowboys, I think I'm rolling the dice on Farley. If you know, over, but. To me, I don't know. Whoever, and it might be, the teams might say, you know what, there's not a consensus number one defensive player on that board. And all of a sudden, those guys start going down, 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 down. And that you never know. At 10, you might be sitting there with, you might be the team that picks the first defensive player, is what I'm yeah. saying. And, and, yeah. and, that's at, and that's at 10. Yeah, and, and Brian, I think then the conversation goes to, if we're having that debate, you talk about Caleb Farley. Do I want to take Caleb Farley? Or do I want to take Patrick Sertan? Because I've seen yeah. Patrick Sertan play this year. Because yeah. some of these debates are going to be decided. Well, I've seen this guy this year. I haven't seen this guy in a year. I don't know yeah. if I can do it. And so this year is unlike any that I've seen in terms of defense. I mean, defense is so far behind the offensive yeah. players and the skilled players that are available that – I think you have to be very, very careful if you're the Cowboys not to reach and to really dig down deep to figure out which defensive player you would want to take at 10. This is going to be a – this draft it could be one when we look back three years from now. It could be like the draft with the J.J. Watt and Smith. Those guys, yeah. they, they have like – there's nine great players taken and then Jacksonville took Blake, uh, took Gabbert. You know, and then it's <laughs> like, you know. 
It's like, yeah, everybody got a, a Hall of Fame player, but then you took Gabbert. You know, that that's what can happen here. Seriously. I mean, it, it you know, to me, I, I would, it, it, it's funny with all those, with the defensive players on the board and Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern is there. I'm kind take, of going. Take the tackle. I, I'm, I'm, raising, I'm raising my hand after I take a bite of my turkey sandwich in the draft room and go, uh, does anybody like Slater? I, I, I like Slater. Northwestern yeah. tackle? You know, I mean, there's there's some questions, but because like I can say, you might be the first, you might be the first team at 10 that takes a defense. Go four player. wide, baby. We're going Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, oh, Kyle yeah. Pitts. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's. I mean, and that's another thing is those wide receivers in the top ten too. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Jamal Smith? Chase, Devonta Smith. I mean, Smith from Alabama. Are you kidding me? There's guys See, there. I, I can't wait. The, the Smith, the Smith conversation is one that is going to be interesting because he scares me a little bit for two his reasons. Weight, uh-huh. His weight. He's like hundred seventy four. He's a he's hundred and seventy five pounds, and four 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 eight four four nine is fast. But is that fast enough to convince me the offset? the skinny issue because when we think about it when was the last time a skinny wide receiver has come in and dominated the league because when you take him that high that's what the expectation is and i just have these images of tavon austin all over again in the debate like hey don't take don't take small guys at the top of the board i think yeah i i think the difference would be Way to go get him, Kresge. No, no, no. Way to get him, Kresge no, Scott guy. And I think that's so true. That's why I wanted to be on with Brian and Bucky, because I think like I'm fundamentally opposed to some of these ideas that it's like, well, I haven't seen a lot of this. Yeah. Like the short safety, I'll take him. The short quarterback, I'll take him. Devontae yeah. Smith, I'll take him. Uh, but, yeah, it looks different. It looks different. But if you're making a list of Devontae Smith's weaknesses, what is the list? I think it's he's skinny. No, he's, his, yeah, he's he's slight. He's slight. That's I think that's his only route runner. His acceleration is through the roof. Oh, no, there's no question. Blue. No question. No question. He, no, look, he's a, he's a fantastic prospect. He's a fantastic college player. However, when I think about okay, I got Devontae Smith lined up opposite Jalen Ramsey. How do I feel about that matchup? Do I feel like he's going to be able to hold his own when people put their hands on him? Because Brian and Jeff, you know, the first thing that people are going to do when he's running free in space those first four games, okay, let's walk up and let's put our hands on him. And does he have enough to withstand that down after down after down after down? Now, the other thing would be maybe he's Marvin Harrison. So, yeah, there I you mean, go. I think that's the comp. I mean, like, like that, would be, that, that would be the thing. But when you look at some of the other guys that may have more, like Jamar Chase and some of those other guys, you just have to balance as a top ten pick. Do I feel good about the skinny guy taking him number one to be my number one receiver? Bucky, Bucky, I, I didn't get a sh- to do the show with you last year. What did you feel about the build of C.D. Lamb when you watched mm-hmm. him? The build, how he physically looked. So it's funny. I think I liken C.D. Lamb to uh, a more dynamic version of DeAndre Hopkins because I didn't feel like C.D. Lamb created like great separation as a route runner. But I felt like he was a catch-and-run specialist. You want to get yeah. the ball to him and let him get, run because the best yeah. thing that he did was either after the catch or went into 50-50 ball. Um, yeah. And so that was the difference in my mind between him and Jerry Judy. I felt like Jerry Judy was more of the route runner. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb was more of the playmaker. And that was my recent comp, too, when you guys started talking about skinny wide receivers. Now I know C.D. Lamb's a little bit 
I guess, wider than Devontae Smith. But overall, I mean, you look at CeeDee Lamb out there, and he looks skinny. I mean, he's got that build where he's slender and he's, he's shifty and a, a playmaker with the ball in his hands. Now, I want to keep talking about these measurables. I think this is a, a conversation. We're, we're going to have it again kind of in the third segment of where does this fit? And I'm, that's why I'm glad Jeff Cavanaugh's on this show because I think this is going to be interesting, talking about where players are physically challenged and, and how that kind of affects them as opposed to where it did in the past come draft day. But when we come back, let's do some Twitter on the 20, and we're going to go to the opposite side of the, the top 10. We talked about some of the names get, that could fall. What about the names that could jump to the Cowboys at number 10 when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show? There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. On to the second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Glad you're with us. Having a lot of fun talking about this upcoming offseason for the Dallas Cowboys and the entire NFL draft. Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, Jeff Cavanaugh joining us today. And then I'm Kyle Yeomans, just trying to drive the bus, as always, here on the Draft Show. And it's time now to jump into some fan questions via Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. There it is. Chris Beam doing fantastic work in the back, as always. Now, we're going to start things off from a question from Christian. And I like this because it kind of flip-flops what we talked about in the first segment in terms of guys who could fall in from the top 10 to the 10th overall pick. But are there any names that are not being talked about right now for the Cowboys at 10 that could be selected there from maybe the backside of that top 10? So I'm going to take these names out of the running 
every uh, every one of the four quarterbacks. So Lance, Wilson, uh, uh, Lawrence, of course, and then uh, we'll we'll take all uh, all those quarterbacks out of the mix. So I'm also going to take Kyle Pitts, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan. Slater, Darius, all the offensive tackles, Sewell, and Rousseau out of the mix as well. So that's 10 names across the board that have now flattened away from the Cowboys. I want to find somebody that's not been named there that could fall or could jump to the Cowboys. And we'll start with you, Bucky. Man, that's tough. You took away all the good players. I mean, <laughs> come on, Bucky. Yeah. You took away all the good players at the top of the thing. Um, gosh, it's. It's crazy, right? And I'm go ahead and reach, Bucky. Just go ahead and reach. Yeah, reach. I'm not, go ahead. I'm, not, I'm not in love with this player, but I can understand how people are going to fall in love with it. And I'm going to throw the name out, and I don't want to be tied to it, but Gregory Rousseau is going to be a name that we talk about. And the reason why is he's going to test like a freak. He's going to test like a freak. He's long. He has that production from that one season. He hasn't played this year. And people are going to imagine, particularly if the coaches are driving the process, coaches are going to say, man, I take this guy, I can take him to the next level. Um, being a former high school receiver that made the transition, everyone is going to gamble on the upside. And in a year where you don't have certainty on defense, I just believe that people can reach for pass rushes because they're coveted at a premium. And Jeff, I know you do not like Rousseau because you and I have texted about how we both do not like Rousseau. So <laughs> tell me why you don't like Rousseau well, and how that could be well, a reach for the all, Cowboys. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to pit me against Bucky to tear down the guy he said, but he told you straight a little up bit, he didn't maybe. want him either, okay? Um, so saying, <laughs> saying that I don't like Rousseau, I think, would make people think, oh, but would you pick him in the 20s? No, I want to be very clear here. Rousseau goes in the fourth round. Okay, I want to be very clear here. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't need a 250-pound, six-foot-seven guy who lines up at nose tackle to run around guards. Um, I'm going to throw out a very random name because I was working through some offensive line yesterday because Kyle's making us reach. This He's is a first. A, this is, this is I a hate first. Line. The Cowboys have an offensive line. This but, is awesome. You're making us reach. Nobody wants this pick. Yes, I Elijah am. Elijah Vera Tucker at USC. Mm. Oh, I think good for he you. Could tackle or guard, and I think he could play it at a high level. So I'm just going to throw out a random offensive line name that I think is going to be a first rounder that I think could have position versatility and is a good prospect. So you took away. As Bucky said, you took away the good players, so I'll go to this. I'm going to go to the slightly <laughs> less good players, or I'll cheat if Brian's not going to say it, and I'll throw out J.C. Horn as well. Oh, jeez, Jeff. I mean, how many names All are you going to take? How many, how many names are you going to – Kyle, how about a better control of the situation I'm sorry, here? I'm sorry. If I were in the same room, it would be much more controlled. It's Come the on, fact Kyle. that we're virtual, Brian. I'm Come sorry. On, Kyle. My gosh, Kyle. Hey, who, who invited Jeff anyway? Who invited Jeff know. to this program? Jeff, My yeah, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, that's a very good one, man. J.C. Horn, I think, is mm-hmm. outstanding. I'll also say this. He, he, it, we're going to get into measurables, but the Samuel kid from Florida State, I know he's 5'10", but there's going to be some people that are going to fall in love with him. But I'll, I'll give you one that somebody I think will fall in love with and it might not be the Cowboys, but he's going to come up the boards. Is Terrence Marshall from LSU the wide receiver? I, like I have it. a, I have a feeling oh, that yeah. these people are now looking at these LSU wide receivers. And if you have 
2019 tape, but watch his 2020 tape before he, he left the program. And people, there's some questions. Hey, why did you bail on the program at LSU? Hey, you know, but I'll tell you what, you watch him in, in this tape, the, the six, seven games that he played, and he is the only thing that LSU has on offense. And they and teams know it, and he's still making plays. I, I have a feeling with what happened with the kid at, at, at Minnesota, Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, people are going to watch this tape, and Marshall is going to be a riser on, on a lot of people's boards. Probably not for the Cowboys at 10, but that's a guy to keep an eye on, and Jeff's right about porn, and I'm glad he said that. And I'm also glad he said about uh, the USC uh, guard tackle. I, I think that was a really, really good uh, get on his part. I really do. Look, look to piggyback on both of you guys' point, I absolutely agree. Um, Vera Tucker is someone that's of interest. Because everybody wants position versatility up front, you can't get enough guys that can do a bunch of different things, particularly if you're the Cowboys and you're looking at what you have in Leo Collins and Tyron Smith and just being able to reshuffle the deck if need be, that would certainly work. Um, Terrence Marshall is interesting because I want to say he was the number one receiver when he came out of high school. And having watched him when he was high school at some of these events, like he has everything that you look for in terms of the size, the athleticism, the route running ability, the skill. And don't underestimate what Justin Jefferson's breakout is going to do for the LSU wide receivers. It's going to change how everyone looks. And even though we say this as scouts, don't scout the helmet. You're going to look at what Justin Jefferson was able to do, and you're going to look at him play alongside Jamar Chase and Marshall. You'll be like, you know what? Yeah. If this guy can do it, these other guys can also do it. To, to your point, Bucky, I, I mean, I know Jeff and I have sat down and watched tape for seven years together, and I always, it's always like you're supposed to be watching this guy, but then the you end guy. up watching somebody Watch else. And Jeff goes, hey, who is this, who is this number seven <laughs> that, what, you know, or. Who is this number, whatever? And you're, you're you're supposed to be watching like an offensive tackle, but then all of a sudden this number seven is catching every single ball, and now you're going, oh, what what year is he at school? And then you make that mental note, Bucky. You you, you and I've sat in those rooms. We've sat in those yeah. draft rooms, and somebody brings up a name, and we're like, I hate this player. But what you know, what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch this other guy. Is what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Devonte Smith. We right? all do Devontae it. Devonte Smith. When we were watching, when you're watching rugs and you're watching, absolutely. TV, I swear, yeah. every yeah. play is being yeah. made by the skinny kid. That's neither one of the players I'm watching, and I'm like, why isn't this dude declaring? Yeah. He's the best one. Yeah. yeah. Alabama's stupid. The fact that they had Judy and well, rugs a, yeah. leave in the first round, and the ones in this year's draft, to me, are better. They're better than Judy and rugs. It's stupid what's going on wow. in Alabama. That's the yeah, great thing when, when that's a great thing about KT when he was watching tape. KT was my go-to guy. Like KT, what year is this kid that were that were that I'm watching here? Right? What what yeah. year is that kid? KT's like, oh, he's only a sophomore, boss. Okay, mental note, mental note. Next year, he's yeah, be Bucky, a guy. Brian He'll also wants him. to know yeah. their hometown for some reason. He'll always be like, KT, where's this kid from? Hey, Bucky, oh. <laughs> Bucky, hey, Bucky, no, you want, you Bucky. Want, hey, Jeff, you want to know that because. There's certain there's certain places in the country that are, are Bell Glade, Florida. Bell yeah. Glade, Florida. Yeah. If, if hey, the kids the seven, from Bell Glade, 
That draft him to the seven five seven. If you go to the Tidewater region in Virginia, Michael Vick and the Newport News, and, Newport yeah, News, Bruce Smith. Like there's there's something in the water, and so you want to know those areas because look, you just find you just find guys. They have a way of just producing and Brian, talent. will give him one of those towns. Brian be like, uh huh. Thought he might be. Thought he might be. <laughs> I knew it exactly straight off the dome but I, I agree I like Terrence Marshall the, the Jr. I like him a lot Brian and I think I put him right there in kind of that second tier of wide receivers trying to inch into the first tier right there with maybe like a Rashad Bateman from Minnesota he, good, player. Like him Another really good player really good player that's a really good player too yeah uh, yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that, actually. I wouldn't disagree with Tony being there. Yeah. I, think, I think Marshall's right there with Tony, though. That's how good I think he's been uh, over the last couple of months. Now, uh, this, comes, this question comes from uh, Connor Lipsay on Twitter, who, of course, is a big draft nut. And I, I love following his stuff at Connor NFL Draft on Twitter. He's fantastic. So he asked us a really good question about Micah Parsons. He said, Micah Parsons has a pure linebacker at the 10th overall pick is a no bueno for him anyways. But what if they draft him to pa- to rush the passer for, say, 30 to 40% of his snaps? Would that make you feel better about the value of taking a linebacker at the 10th overall pick? That could also be intriguing as an edge rusher, Brian. Yeah, I mean, Bucky mentioned about the versatility and stuff like that. And, man, I was just... For that size, you know, and he's freakish how big he really is. I mean, I was watching, speaking of freakish, this Xavier Collins from Tulsa, that's another freakish guy to watch when it comes to these linebackers and stuff like that. But I think the thing with, I think the things with Parsons that that makes him, uh, you know, that this, this intriguing is the size, but I'm also thinking about, you know the rush, and and he's right. And the, I think when you 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 know the one thing you want is you want some stoutness. You want that ability to hold up. You want that ability to be physical. And you know this guy can make some impressive plays. He he really can. But there's like that scares me to death. Those stretches of games where you're thinking, man, just go dominate that Purdue guy. Go dominate that Indiana guy. Go you know. And he's just not. You know, it's just not always there for him. But as a pass rusher, I, you know, yeah. I mean, because what he is, that power enables him when he has to take on guards, when he has to take on backs, he could just overpower people to get to the quarterback and affect the pocket. So, and I, I think he can finish. I think there's some things that he does as a finisher that are really, really good. I just wish at 6'3", 244 pounds, that I saw it like every single play. He wears a number of LeVar Arrington back in the day, that number 11. Mm-hmm. That was a finisher. That was an every down sucker right there. And so <laughs> I see that 11 in Penn State uniform, I'm thinking – Oh, he's not Lavar Arrington, and you know, and here I am. I have to pick him probably to in the in the top ten to to get him. You know, I'm I'm gonna say this, Brian. I'm probably too close to the kid because I've known him since high school. Yeah. Um, one, he was a defensive end in high school, and so he was more natural. I would say with his hand in the dirt, and so he's learned how to play linebacker. The only thing that ever scares me about my, Michael Parsons is I would say the level of immaturity, and so some of the inconsistency is due to the immaturity. And I just don't know if that light comes on as a pro. And so when I think of a top 10 pick and we're talking about checking off all the boxes, I think you have to examine the football character and just make sure 
particularly given, and I don't want to put this on him, particularly given the Dwayne Haskins situation and how that played out in Washington, yeah. you just want to make sure that the guy you're bringing in, he is going to play to the standard because he gets to the game and he's ready to play to the standard. He's not distracted by life. Well, hey, congratulations, Bucky. You just killed the kid in the eyes of all Cowboy fans. So, mm. congratulations. You just did that. Bucky just put the kid in the headline. And, and, you know, hey, I'm just kidding. But, you know, yeah, but when you hear those things, when you talk about taking a guy that high, you you want you want everything to be in line. You don't want those questions. Yeah, the tape is good, but if you're telling me there's immaturity things, you know that that's that's a well, I'm just, big, I'm just big telling red what flag. You can, what you what you can read. I, th- I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing that you have to investigate. Yeah. Like we talk about at top ten, you want to make sure we get it right. So we're trying to mitigate all the risk, and so you want to make sure that your guys. Love it. And so if you come from a place where if you're going to take an off-the-ball linebacker, particularly that high, you're thinking, I want someone that is like Luke Keekley in terms of the yeah. maturity or the way that they get it. Or, I mean, even like Sean Lee in terms of just the maturity part of it. That guy has to come in because if he's coming in, he's probably coming in to supplant Jalen Smith. And the love-hate relationship that Cowboy fans have with Jalen Smith, are you trying to replace him with someone who could potentially be, be like Jalen Smith in terms mm-hmm. of that thing like man does he love it does he make plays does he feel like he's hollywood henderson or is he like what what are we getting in the building well and parsons isn't alone in that draft even on the defensive side of the football i think with some of those issues in 2020 kind of it it gives you an odd look at how they kind of uh, affect these prospects and how they they deal with those off the field issues one of the uh, the guys I, i watched yesterday i really liked his tape was davian nixon out of Iowa, the defensive tackle. I really like this tape a lot, but from a couple people that I had texted about it uh, that had kind of talked to some scouts, they they have issues uh, or at least questions around his maturity. And, and I, this is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year and somebody who put up a ton of production. But just that that mindset and that drive, it, it's, it's something that I know teams are especially looking for because maybe the Dwayne Haskins situation, because of the mental toughness that took to get through the 2020 season, I think there's a lot of different factors that play into that. Okay, so we got to take our second break here on the draft show when we come back i want to have a quick conversation about those measurables jeff wants all the weird guys when it comes to measurables and bucky and brian are going to put them in his place maybe we'll see when we come back here on the dallascowboys.com draft show we're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds it's new dr pepper and cream soda let's take a listen dr pepper and cream soda's here a new combo that's music to my ears okay Let's Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision. Essential blue for protection. And Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. 
where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Final 10 minutes here of the draft show uh, presented by Miller Lite here on DallasCowboys.com. Kyle Yeomans, Brian Broaddus, Bucky Brooks, and Jeff Cavanaugh as this is the first hour-long show we'll have of 2021. The Cowboys eliminated from postseason contention, so it's officially draft season here on DallasCowboys.com. And Brian, Bucky, along with David Hellman, will be every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. And then Jeff who's a part of our other crew. We've got Dame Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, and Kevin Turner. They're on Thursdays at 10 o'clock. So twice the draft show every single week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, 10 o'clock. Make sure and set your calendars, set your uh, set your schedules accordingly to watch us live and then listen to us after those are updated as well. But it's exciting to be along with you guys. And we had this conversation minimally last week, and I wanted to kind of revisit it. We even started kind of talking about it in the first segment. But how far has the league gone away from looking at the measurables, looking at the the physicalities and the freaks that are coming out of the draft in terms of just the the game-changing type of prospects when it comes to their physical abilities. And are there going to be guys that are physically challenged, taken high, like maybe uh, a Kyler Murray who was picked number one overall offensively, but then there was maybe an Antoine Winfield Jr. who was one of the better defensive rookies this season in the NFL. Bucky, how far is the league going away from these physical attributes uh, and these measurables whenever it comes to their draft evaluations? You know, it, it really depends. I think as the scouting world has gotten younger, uh, I think you have guys who have gone away from maybe some of those traditional norms when it comes to certain positions. But part of the reason why the measurables are the measurables is because you're trying to minimize the risk when it comes to drafting players. Like there's a reason why there's been a long history of certain guys that measure and weigh a certain thing that have played for a long time in the league. And so you subscribe to that. So even though you may miss out on a few gems, Overall, the odds suggest that you're going to get it right because they checked off the boxes. That said, if someone doesn't check off the boxes in height, weight, speed, or those things, they better have a superpower because the only way that you're going to be able to let those guys come in, they have to have extraordinary traits in another area. And so when you talk about a Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray may be short, but his superpower was his speed, quickness, and his ability to make plays. Baker Mayfield was more the anomaly because he didn't have any of those superpower traits and was taken number one overall. But typically, you have to have a superpower to go at the top of the board. Brian? Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. And Bucky hit the nail on the head. Uh, John Dorsey took Baker Mayfield because he believed that Baker Mayfield could, could command the locker room. 
That's why he 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 liked the swagger of Baker Mayfield. Is why that pick was made. He felt like that Baker's teammates would gravitate towards him, would play for him, would run through the wall for him. So, you know, that's yeah. There's certain beliefs, but Bucky's also right about these new age general managers. You know, they they don't look at things like the old the Ron Wolfs and the Bill Polians and the Al Davises and those people. It's a different era of general managers. I mean, I've seen the list. You know, Bucky works with the NFL Network. I, I see the list of general managers that are interviewing for these jobs, and I'm going, who? Who? Who's that? But that's what's going to happen, and this group is going to change, and they're going to draft players differently. Their attitudes about players are going to be differently. They might believe in all the metrics and things like that, but, man, it's like they'll just take guys, and it doesn't matter height, weight, speed, you know, and I and for the for the for the most part, I, I like to see that because I'm just going to say in this draft so far, I've seen a couple of players. I mentioned Samuel from Florida State. Rondell Moore is another one from Purdue mm-hmm. that's five nine one eighty. I watch him play and I'm going, holy jeez, you know, wow, okay, I see it. You know, maybe not. You know, we'll see where he gets in the draft and stuff. But there are some guys that that, that could really get your attention that that don't have ideal measurables, but they have like Bucky's talking about that superpower that makes them different than everybody else. Well, and some of those measurables are incredibly important. I mean, I remember. You know, I think until it burns you personally, you can ignore uh, what other people try to tell you. Because, for instance, the corner who runs 4-6 or worse, to Bucky's point, you know, a lot of teams aren't trying to pick a slow corner because you're like, all right, how many great ones have there been? And somebody pulls out a spreadsheet of all the corners ever drafted that ran a 4-6, and they're like, well, we found two. And you're like, okay, so we should avoid that risk. And it's like, yes, now we also are going to miss Josh Norman. Sorry, but we weren't willing to take that risk. And it burned me when I liked T's Tabor, and he ran a bad 40. Turned out he couldn't play in the league. So then Cameron Dantzler. I watched Cameron Dantzler cover Jamar Chase, and I'm like, first round. Then he ran in the four sixes, and I said, end of the second. And I moved him just off a 40 time. So, you know, there's a reason for a lot of these things. I think uh, some of the ones that I wouldn't worry about as much are basically the height and the weight. I understand why you want a three-cone time. I understand why a corner's got to run fast. But if, if you're talking about weight or height in some cases, I think those are the ones I would push back against the most. Well, how about that? How about this? If you watch Rashawn uh, Slater out of Northwestern, the tackle, everybody will tell you he's got short arms. And I'm watching him block Chase Young, and Chase Young, they have to move him to the other side of the field to get him away from Slater. You know, there's same people say, oh, he's got short arms. Short arms. Yeah, but he's blocking the best player in the country right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what are we, what are we doing here? Are we... And sometimes you, you become a slave to that line of thinking, and you know it, it it'll 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 take you the wrong direction a lot of the times, though. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, but I, I would say like Cal, like outside of this, like in theory, what we're doing is a beauty pageant, right? And so if we think about um, the first round, them getting the the crown and tiara, you just want to check off the boxes to make sure. And so it's not like, oh, I don't like a player because they don't have all those attributes. It's 
okay, is this a first-round player? Because with your general manager, you're going through the checklist and you're trying to figure out and approximate, okay, where's the risk-reward factor? Is this more of a second-round player based on, hey, I like everything, but he doesn't have this? And so it's, it's just that in a perfect world, you want your first-round pick to really be a superhero that can leap tall buildings in a single bound, but it doesn't always happen. Yeah, you want your you want that like Bucky's talking about. You want your beauty pageant to be in the top ten, one of the finalists. You don't want them to be like doing the number at the end of the night, you know, where the other forty girls are kind of doing some numbers. Thank you for being in the pageant. You want Miss you want Miss Georgia, Miss Texas, Miss California, you know, Miss Miss Mississippi. You know, you want those. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know anything about pageants, so I don't know if it's states or hey, if you pick if you pick Miss or, if you pick Miss Trinidad Tobago in your top ten, you're going to win the pool every single time. You're going to win it. You're going to win the pool. Uh, real quickly, we only have a couple minutes here, but I want I want you each to give me a name that fits into that category where the the measurables aren't necessarily living up to the tape where you look at the tape and you say hey he's a baller the production's there the the tape is there but he's not necessarily first round because of blank i want to uh, i want to know a player from each one of those guys uh from you jeff we'll start with you well yeah you, gregory rousseau we already did this okay yeah, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah gregory rousseau is tall and he's long and he might run a good 40 and he might test well athletically and he had 18 sacks in a single season against decent competition what's not to like and i think i just i watched that tape and i came away from it going that ain't a first round player and i have no idea why people are talking about him in the top 10. Mm. Bucky? That's an interesting one. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be the positive end because I felt like I was negative early with Micah. So I'm gonna go up. <laughs> I'm, gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a name: Amon Ross St. Brown, and the wide receiver from USC. He's probably gonna come in a little under the standard stuff, but in terms of being a baller, he's an absolute baller. He has some of that Steve Smith, old school Steve Smith, to him in terms of his competitiveness and grit. That's gonna serve him well because I think he's gonna be outstanding pro. Yeah, you know, I, I've mentioned Samuel a bunch from Florida State. I think someone's going to get a hell of a football player there. I love, I love the fact that all these players have their dads were NFL players. Samuel, well, you know, you're going to watch the Clemson tape. You're going to say, oh, a taller guy got him. Taller guy got him. But if you watch all his tape, all the opportunities he had, this kid goes out there and he plays hard every single snap. He makes plays on the ball. He can cover. He can tackle. I mean, he's kind of a blockdown tackler, but he's aggressive. He's he goes after you. I think people are gonna uh, fall in love with him. I hope they give him the benefit of the doubt because of of his height, though. He might be at the bottom of the first round. Somebody might take him in the second, but he's going to be a hell of a football player for somebody. I'm I sorry, like Kyle. I thought we were doing negative things. I didn't realize we were doing positive things. So <laughs> I I thought we were just doing straight hating. I didn't know we were doing positive things. Uh, then I also want to piggyback. I want to piggyback on what Brian's saying and throw out another corner. Elijah Molden at Washington, five yeah, ten. Good player. Baller. Yeah, good player. Baller. I don't care about your height. Come on down. But to Bucky's point, I'm not picking you in the first round because of your height. Hmm. Yeah, good player. His dad was his dad was a good player. Elijah's a really solid player. A lot of versatility too. Hmm. Some, somewhere, some way, uh, Isaiah Stanback is smiling with his UW on DallasCowboys.com. Oh, yeah. He's he's a huge <laughs> UW guy. Hey, so. hey, don't, hey, for a short guy, don't forget Nick Bolton, linebacker, Missouri. 
Missouri. Oh yeah. Yeah, don't forget him. Yeah. I mean, he's probably he's probably going to be taken down towards the bottom, but he needs to be more up to the top. Don't let that six foot height scare you at all. Guy, make pick him at number ten, Brian. <laughs> Love it, man. Hey, you, Bucky. Bucky told me Parsons is kind of out there. That's not what he said. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say Bolton is not going to have that those issues. He's going. He loves football. I could tell watching yep. tape. He loves football. He loves it. He loves it. We've got to get our background information on Nick Bolton for Bucky Brooks whenever we get an opportunity yeah. to here over the next couple, couple of weeks. That's going to do it for us here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Be sure to join us on Thursday at 10 o'clock. We've got Dane, Jeff, and KT breaking things down for you as we continue on here into the 2020 offseason, just 113 days away from the NFL Draft. But for Bucky Brooks, for Jeff Cavanaugh, thanks for hopping on with us, Jeff. For Brian Broaddus and for Chris Beam, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. We'll see you next time on The Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!